0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Drop pass, drives McDavid down the middle, wrist shot, score.
1: Connor McDavid, just like that, Smith, free clubbing right.
0: Home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. Hope you've had a great day. Thanks for spending part of it here inside sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. A pleasure to be speaking with you this evening as I sit here in my spare bedroom in my home. As I mentioned last night, it is slightly bigger than a closet. I said you could probably fit two people in here comfortably. I'll probably upgrade to two and three quarters of a person. But that would just be awkward if there were three-quarters of a person in a room with you. Anyway, you can reach out 780-496-0063 is the number to both call and text. You're going to hear from St. Louis Blues defenseman Colton Pareko in a couple of minutes. The kid from St. Albert will let you know what's going on with him as he rides out the pandemic in St. Louis. Also tonight, after the 7.30 news, we'll bring you another chapter in our installment of introducing you to play-by-play voices From different parts of Canada and the United States, Steve Rabel will check in tonight. He's the play-by-play voice for the Seattle Seahawks, also used to play for the team and also an anchor on television, so he will enlighten us on his career path and what it's been like to cover the Seahawks, who've uh, been a pretty good team in the NFL for about the last decade or so. Kellen Kennedy is back at the studio this evening. Kellen, old boy, how are you doing? Doing well. Good to hear from you. Dylan Gunther from the Edmonton Oil Kings is a finalist for Rookie of the Year in the Western Hockey League. Gunther, an outstanding young talent, 59 points in 58 games when the uh, WHL season was canceled. He's the Eastern Conference Rookie of the Year. Logan Stankoven from Kamloops is the Western Conference WHL finalist. Gunther speaking on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Of course, Saying that it's very tough to lose the playoffs after having a great regular season. Yeah, no, it definitely sucks. I mean, uh, we worked super hard throughout the regular season to uh, get the advantages of home ice and whatnot in playoffs, and uh, to see that fall short. It's definitely heartbreaking. But uh, I think that we're all going to be working hard over this uh, short off season or this long off season here, and uh, we're going to come back stronger. All right, and uh, I guess it's just say in the in the process of having a great regular season, not after the regular season, as it hadn't quite finished yet. But Gunther, really good player, uh, going to get drafted next year, and a really good player for the Oil Kings, who were who were looking awesome. Brad Lauer, who was on the show earlier in the week. He's a finalist for Coach of the Year. The winners of those awards are going to be named in May. A lot of discussion for uh, many of you listening. I'm sure a a lot of hope. uh, I know some of you don't consider it very realistic that maybe somehow uh, at least some sports will resume, primarily the National Hockey League, the focus for most of us here in Canada. Golf, as we talked about a a bit last night, is going to get back at it on June 11th. The Canadian Open, though, has been removed from the PGA schedule for this year the United States Tennis Association sounding like they're going to try to go with uh, their usual time for the US Open there on either side of uh of of, of Labor Day sorry if I'm uh, I'm uh, laughing here uh Kellen Miz I'm talking about that I, I just got a text from Alex okay. I don't know do you, do you have the text slide open today
2: uh I will have it open in a second <laughs>
0: i think i can read this on air alex says hey reed how many fat bastards from austin powers would fit into your spare bedroom Wow. Oh, that's a, that's a great reference, Alex. <laughs> quite the, quite the <laughs> Thank unit you for of ma- that. measurement there. Holy smokes. <laughs> <folks. laughs> uh, that is uh, that is awesome. I always appreciate We've got some pretty entertaining textures. I love it when they can make me laugh. That's a good one, Alex. Thanks for checking in with that. Okay. Uh, some of you may laugh at this. Some of you may not. I don't know how all of you feel about this gentleman. United States President Donald Trump had this to say about the potential return Of sports,
1: Many of them are going to be starting without the fans, so it'll be made for television, the good old days, made for television, and it'll go that way, and then fans will start coming in. Maybe they'll be separated by two seats, and then ultimately we want to have packed arenas. When the virus is gone, we're going to have packed arenas, and we're going to be back to enjoying sports the way they're supposed to be.
0: Uh, I just found it interesting. You said that uh, sports are going to be made for TV just like the good old days. Because of because of course, when sports were first invented, you could only watch it on television. They didn't have stadiums. They they didn't think of ticketing. Like you know, when baseball started up in the 1880s, that's all they had was television. Predates radio, just like the good (laughs) old days. So there there you go. Anyway, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to text in, like Alex did, Brian. Texting and he says, wouldn't it be great if Jack Michaels can call the game between Gretzky and Ovechkin? Wednesday, April 22nd. What day was that? Next week already? Yes, it is. You know what's interesting for me here, Kellen? I, I know this, this is such an unusual situation, and I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of people saying, man, I don't know what, what day of the week it is. Now, this is, this might I'm I, I might be a little weird here. It has been easier for me since the the pandemic and all the uh, global shutdown it's been easier for me to remember the day of the week because when the oilers are playing all i know is whether it's a it's a game day or not a game day right so yeah. i'm not always as in tune with the day of the week i i now seem to be better at knowing what day of the week it is but i don't as well know what the actual date is. So, anyway, uh, April 22nd is next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky are going to go head to head on the video game NHL 20. This is going to be shown on the Capitals Twitch channel. It'll be next Wednesday at 6 o'clock Mountain. Fans will be able to watch and listen as they play a best of three on Xbox. And uh, fans are going to have the opportunity during the Twitch live stream to uh, help out the Edmonton Food Bank. So this will be interesting. A, to see how... I'm guessing Alex Sovechkin is better at video games than Wayne Gretzky. I just have that feeling. Uh, but you'll also get to hear them banter, which will be pretty cool. Tell you what, let's call a quick timeout first. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. After the break, we'll bring in Blues defenseman Colton Pareko. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers.
1: Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since
2: 1962.
0: All right, please welcome back to Inside Sports. A young man who grew up in St. Albert now plays defense for the St. Louis Blues. It is Colton Pareko. Colton, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for checking in tonight and talking to people back in the area in which you grew up. And of course, you are in St. Louis as we ride things out here through the coronavirus. Tell people how you're
2: trying to keep busy and spend your days and stay in shape. Yeah, it's uh, it's been good. Obviously, it's it's not easy being home and isolated a lot. But uh, I've been finding ways to stay busy. It's been beautiful weather here. So today's I think plus 15 and sunny. So. Uh, a lot of the days are like this if it's not raining it's it's a good opportunity to kind of get outside i mean usually go for a walk every day and then uh, a bike ride at some point and uh, i got a basketball hoop in the backyard i set up and just things like that to, to keep me busy and get outside it's always easy and uh, a good way to kind of stay moving and uh, kill kill a lot of time and then just kind of went through the house cleaned it up a little bit um, trying to get some projects done around the house that uh, i've been meaning to do so just keep them busy that way uh, and then making sure just to stay in contact with family and trying to play some video games with friends and uh, do things that way as well and that keeps me busy. You can kill a couple hours a night for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the video game industry is, uh, or at least the video game activity, it's always been popular but I think even a surge in that
2: for, for yeah. a lot of people. Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, and- it's, it's been good
0: and in terms of trying to stay in shape I, I, I talked to Curtis Lazar a few weeks ago and, and he said he you know he had to probably get some exercise equipment for his house so he could work out a little better Leon Dreisaitl made a reference to uh, stick handling against his dog as an opponent in, in, in his basement, are you able to get a, at least close to a workout as you would get if, if you had access to, to your arena and the NHL equipment or how does that work for you?
2: Uh, it's definitely different when you don't really, I personally don't have the equipment here at my house. I don't have the dumbbells or the barbells or weights or anything, but, um, our trainer has been good about giving us different workouts that we can do with minimal equipment. And I've got a bunch of, I ordered a bunch of things that, uh, help my, help my workouts along, but uh, I got none of the big weights, but if you kind of follow the program, he's gave you it. Like a lot of the, a lot of the stuff is tough, even though it's body weight and, uh, might not seem, Difficult, but uh, once you kind of get going through the workout, and it, it'll get you. And uh, at first, you're kind of like, "Oh, this might not be too bad." And then first workout hits you, and you're like, "Okay, this is actually really challenging." So um, it's been good working out-wise. I think just in terms of staying staying busy that way each morning, just kind of getting up and getting into a routine. And then uh, uh, if if you wanted equipment, our our, our guy is is willing to. Uh, connect you with someone that can get you equipment as well so uh, i know a lot of the guys have got equipment uh through our our trainer here and uh, got it for their house so uh i might be doing that soon i'm just not sure how lo- much longer i'm going to stay in st louis so they want to order the equipment and then maybe leave for for edmonton and uh, kind of miss miss the chance to have the equipment so um but yeah the body workouts have been going good obviously and then getting the bikes in for some cardio and uh it's uh it's been good. I ordered a pair of roller blades. <laughs> I don't know how much that's gonna gonna help me with my training or what whatnot, but uh, I guess maybe if I can get around get around the block a couple times on the roller rollerblade today that could be could be fun too st. Louis blues defenseman Colton Pareco
0: joining us in inside sports you guys won the Stanley Cup about 10 months ago and I mean you guys were in the process of having a, a great year after your 71st game 42 19 and 10 so you know right back up there near the top of the standings and and rolling towards the playoff again you, you guys obviously had to go through the and I know you talked Talked about it uh, earlier, you had the, the tough scene with, uh, with Jay Bomeister uh, in, in that game against the Ducks. But it, you know, he, he looks like he's going to be uh, okay. But you know, the season as a whole, um, I, I think you might have had one stretch of five games where you went without a win, but a lot of winning streaks for the Blues a couple of eight games. I think you had another seven gamer. So, you know, obviously, I know there's a, other other things going on in the world, but probably really tough to have that season interrupted because there weren't very many, at least from my perspective, there weren't that many down moments for you guys this year.
2: Yeah, I thought we uh, we were playing well and definitely, I mean, it's tough to go an 82-game season without having a couple of, of dips and dives and kind of a little bit of a roller coaster. And we definitely did have, have some throughout the throughout the season, but like you mentioned, we kind of, nip those and made sure that we took took care of those as soon as possible because i think the year before helped us a lot too just kind of what happened and we had obviously a slow start we we we, uh kind of knew what what our team was but we were frustrated because we weren't getting results and um we were we obviously found ourselves in the back and then we were last in the standings last year so uh we wanted to make sure to give ourselves a good chance to um put ourselves in the driver's seat from the beginning of this season and I think that's what we did. We, we obviously played well and uh, we put ourselves in a good position after 71 games and um, still a lot can happen with the final 10, but uh, I thought that our, our uh, team was trending in, in the right direction going into the playoffs. And, um, I mean, that's uh, kind of kind of how I look at, look at it. But, uh, I don't know, we, we just wanted to make sure we continue to push and, and get better, and that's uh, what I think that we've been doing this season. We we obviously don't
0: know if and when the season is going to be finished. It, it sounds like Gary Bettman and, and the owners and you know the players association involved pretty much considering everything. It would would you be comfortable playing without fans if it, if it came to that? That I mean to me that would feel really weird as a player if you're used to used to fifteen thousand or more and then all of a sudden all all the
2: seats are empty. Yeah, I mean it would obviously have a different dynamic for sure. It would feel feel different but um as a player you obviously love to play and you want to play so if it's a chance to to get back out there and finish the season or finish the playoffs in um kind of whatever manner it may be that that would be fun i think i enjoy playing uh fans and no fans but obviously fans are a fun fun element they they add a good element of the game um i don't know if it it could add home ice advantage you want to say or not so uh, i just think that you kind of got to just go with the flow at this point uh kind of whatever happens just let it happen and there's a lot of unknowns a lot of different things that um are kind of more important than playing right now too so got to make sure we we take care of those first and then uh whenever it's safe for us to play we we can play when however we need to i guess
0: yeah well and it's interesting too i mean you might have to play games in neutral sites right there could be four teams in one city and it's uh I I it's just almost like minor hockey it just
2: <laughs> you might be there yeah. for a whole week a instead road of trip. For a weekend yeah yeah everyone's going on a road trip for to Winnipeg or Brandon or something <laughs>
0: Colton Pareko checking in tonight inside sports on 6:30. Shed, defenseman for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he's been telling me he is uh, in St. Louis as we ride out the uh, the pandemic and the and the pause in a lot of seasons. And Colton, I, you know, I'm going to ask you for, from another angle here in your career. You, you played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League for Fort McMurray, and you know that season got got canceled. And you know that's a that's a league where you can play till you're 19 or 20 and then that that's it and that kind of broke my heart a lot of players would have played their final games without knowing it was their their final game at the time and then you know that junior hockey experience is is such a unique one and a special one for so many players
2: yeah i agree obviously that's such a fun time and uh, a lot of players want to finish out their junior career on a good note and obviously maybe go to the next level and get into college but um it's kind of funny that you mentioned that i was talking to uh one of my good friends yesterday and we were just talking and um he i don't know how we got to the conversation but we were just talking about hockey and how he still wishes he was playing but he kind of uh it didn't work out for him so he uh kind of tried to figure out different routes and he's kind of he's now into coaching but um he was just saying that as bad as he wanted to kind of continue on with hockey he kind of knew it was time to To finish, but um, he just—he was just super grateful for what hockey brought him as a as a whole. And I think that if you want to look at it from a positive side, that you could always say that those players that maybe finished didn't finish the season properly or the right way, that um, just because of this whole pandemic, that. They still had a great opportunity to meet great, great friends, have a great team, and um, these will be lifelong friends and memories that they'll have forever. So uh, it's kind of at this point I want to I try to look at things from the positive side because uh, that's uh, the best way to approach it. But obviously it's it's frustrating because uh, a lot of teams probably wanted to win the playoffs, win, win uh, Nationals, and uh, that's, uh, that's frustrating, I guess. You, your time in Fort McMurray,
0: I, I got to go cover a couple of games there. Well, it was, it was a long time ago now, but when uh, the Lloydminster Blazers were playing the Oil Barons in the playoffs one year, uh, and that, that's a heck of a rink up there. And oh, yeah. uh, some very enthusiastic fans uh, as well. There's a lot of travel if you play for Fort, Fort McMurray, but you guys are definitely, uh, I, I don't know if it was like that when you were there about 10 years ago, but a lot of fans support, very passionate fan base.
2: Oh yeah, I, it was it was definitely uh, a lot of fun. I think we might have had one of the best best arenas if not the best in the whole HHL. I mean, fans showed up every night and I think it's just kind of due to where it is and um kind of it's the sport up there that everybody can kind of connect to because I think it's probably if not it is or if not close to the highest level of sports up in Fort McMurray, so Good, good, good entertainment, and I think that the people are, are passionate about it, and they've they've had good teams over the past too. So, I think that uh, definitely helps out.
0: And what were the bus rides like? I mean, that's the one thing oh. about Fort Mac. I think Bonneville's the closest team, and that's still yeah, that's still I several know. hours. That's still a
2: haul. The bus rides are tough. <laughs> I, I remember I was pumped that the bus bus had Wi Fi. Uh, that was kind of the biggest the biggest bonus is that we had Wi Fi on the bus, so we could use our phones and use our whatever we had laptops or, uh, iPads at the time. And, uh, just, that was the bus rides were, yeah, we're not, we're not great. I mean, if you're going down to Brooks, you're, you're strapping in for, I think it was 10 hours, maybe 12 hours or something crazy. Uh, so you had definitely had some, some long hauls.
0: And then if you're going down South, you're probably playing three and three nights or that too,
2: five nights. And then you're traveling home after. So, uh but at the same time those are those are good memories so uh it's tough i guess maybe when you're going through it but even when you kind of go basically if you're going on the road you're you're getting in a minimum three games i believe i mean if you hit the calgary spot there's a couple calgary teams um spruce grove there was st albert too when i was i was playing so you kind of hit the loop and that helped out for for the travel which so you didn't have to get out as much i guess
0: yeah yeah that would have been a fun time for sure well colton we appreciate you checking in it's always good to have you on inside sports and uh hopefully at uh at some point in the weeks or months to come we're we're getting you on here to talk about actual games being played but in the meantime stay healthy stay in shape and we'll keep in touch
2: yeah it's always great being on i appreciate you reaching out and uh like always, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. And hopefully uh, see you soon if, if at the rink or uh, in Edmonton when uh, everything is, is better, for sure. Right on. Colton Preco St. Louis Blues defenseman. Up next,
0: Seattle Seahawks play-by-play voice, Steve Rabel. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers, representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Dylan Gunther from your Edmonton Oil Kings, a finalist for Rookie of the Year in the Western Hockey League. You heard a bit from him earlier on the show. Andre Markov. Longtime defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens from 2000 to 2017, is retiring. He'd been finishing off his career in the KHL. You can text 780-496-0063. Here's a good one from Vic talking about the potential of the biggest pro sports leagues in North America playing games without fans. Vic says, as a coach of Bantam football in rural Alberta, I could relate to playing games without fans. Just saying. That is from Vic. And uh, Dave Leppard, as he's known on the text line, says, How much Def Leppard memorabilia do you have on the walls in your spare bedroom, Reed? (laughs) I don't have any in this room. In another part of the house, I do have their first four albums framed and hanging on the wall. But uh, no Def Leppard memorabilia in the room that I'm particularly broadcasting from. All right. All right.
1: <laughs>
0: Are you there? Our next – yeah, we're here, Kelly. Cool. Let's, uh Let's fire off that play-by-play to bring our next guest in.
1: Goes in motion. Russell Playfake. Now he's going to throw down the middle. Got a man. Metcalf makes the catch diving. He is in for a touchdown. Seahawks, what a play by the rookie, D.K. Midcalf Gets in behind the secondary, makes a diving catch.
0: That is the voice of our next guest, Steve Rabel, who is the uh, play-by-play voice and former player for the Seattle Seahawks. Steve, welcome to Inside Sports on 630 Ched, in Edmonton. You're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir?
1: Reed, I'm great. Thanks so much. And kind of got a little excited there listening to that again, thinking that football isn't too far away. But then again, it could be a long ways away. Yeah,
0: we don't know. Certainly, as I'm sure you've seen, and and you probably know, one of the best players in the Canadian Football League, a former Edmonton Eskimo, now BC Lion, lives in Seattle in the offseason. That's Mike Riley. He was on my show a few days ago. The CFL season is uh, basically delayed. We don't know when it's going to start. And the NFL, I saw a story today, Steve, that they're still going to put out the schedule, but it sounds like that they'll kind of do it knowing that they might have to sacrifice at least the first part of it. That's kind of the sense I got.
1: Yeah, the the thinking is that I mean you know even though the league hasn't talked about any of the, uh, the the things that they're really thinking about and they're just sticking kind of to the guns. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna have the draft, uh, we're gonna do it virtually, and then we're gonna plan on having the entire season. That said, they're making all kinds of different plans for different scenarios, and one of them is to possibly cut the season a little bit short, to uh, perhaps cut the number of preseason games a little short, maybe by a couple and then go ahead and start a little bit later to give uh, give things time uh, to, to uh, kind of ease up a little bit. I think the big question, though, for everybody, and be it college football, high school, professional, anything, it's one thing to get a finite group of players and coaches together in one place to play a game. It's something else when you're talking about opening the stadium to 65,000 people. That's going to be the big question in, in my mind as to when anything like that is going to be able to happen.
0: Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And we're talking about that, obviously, in hockey. If they play, no fans. Do you have to play games in neutral sites? I mean, we got the Edmonton Oilers here in the Pacific Division, Steve, and Seattle's going to join that division when they come into the league. Might you have to take, if you can do something in August or September, you, do, do you bring teams to one arena and they play the first two rounds of the playoffs there? I mean, we're dealing with things that that haven't been done. I mean, the Stanley, as you know, Steve, the Stanley Cup hasn't been awarded twice. Once for a work stoppage and 101 years ago because of another uh, illness. And How many shortened NFL seasons have there been? They just had that one Nine gamer because of the strike in the early yeah 1980s. we
1: had the strike shortened season yeah um, it, you know it, it is almost unheard of but then these are pretty much unheard of times there's not a lot of people left around who remember the 1917 flu uh, epidemic that just that just raced around the, the globe um, so yeah we're all going to have to learn a different way of doing things and we might not I heard the the mayor of Los Angeles today he might not want to see anybody in the stands for a major event like a concert or or a a baseball game, or a basketball game, or football game, until 2021. Now now you're talking about hitting a lot of these businesses, like so many small businesses are getting hit in the wallet right now. Restaurants in our area, I'm sure just like yours, but are just really getting hammered. You start talking about these multi-billion dollar sports leagues that can't put people in the stands. Now, they're going to have to do something, and if they can play any of the games for TV, that will at least buy them some time. And, of course, as one who calls these games, I'm hoping that we get to play some of them so that I have a chance to broadcast and that Seahawks fans, not only here in the Northwest, but well up into Canada and down into California and Idaho and Montana, get to listen.
0: Well, and that's why we wanted to have you on. We've been profiling some play-by-play voices here on Inside Sports. We had Tim Roy from the Golden State Warriors on. We had Sean Grandy from the Boston Celtics on. And now we want to let people get to know you a little bit and your career path. And you're an interesting one. You're a player-turned-broadcaster. A lot of ex-players wind up doing the the color or the or the analysis uh you've wound up doing the play-by-play how did that journey start for you steve after football after well, Reed it's been
1: it's been really interesting because it, and it, then it took another turn as well um, but um, when I retired from the Seahawks in 1982 I retired st- because uh, there was an opportunity at our local CBS affiliate is kiRO channel 7 and in those days by the way I beg, beg your pardon but I'm a little bit hoarse the, the allergies down here it's been such nice weather I've got pollen uh, that's just killing my throat these days but anyway, We had this uh, opportunity to uh, to go to work at the CBS affiliate and do not only a a local magazine TV magazine show five nights a week and to be the backup sports guy, but to also be the analyst for Seahawks football on the radio. And so uh, my wife and I talked about it, Sharon, and and we decided that that was really probably the best move we could make, uh, considering you know I was never going to be Steve Largent or anything like that. But you know we had six good years with the team and from its from its very first day in 1976, so I'm I'm pretty proud of that. And then once I was at the station for a while, starting in 1993, they moved me over from sports to news, and I've been anchoring the main newscasts uh, every night uh, for the last, what, 27 years now. So uh, it's been an interesting career, but uh, I still get to, as Dennis Erickson once said, football really gives you the juice, doesn't it? I said, yeah, coach, it really does. So I still get to do that.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. It's, it's so the, the fact that you went from sports to read news, have, have you always been... Sort of a newsy type of guy. I mean, even as a player, did you like current events, world events? Or tell me a little bit about that transition.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I remember, I've told this story uh, before. I remember when I was in college at Georgia Tech, when I was a senior, um, and and I, you know, I I was a pretty decent football player and ended up getting drafted by the Seahawks, but uh, I also had a lot of other interests uh, down there in the industrial management uh, program that I uh, got my degree in. But I remember they had a they had a uh, an evening with david brinkley now Reed you're probably old enough to remember david brinkley maybe a lot of your listeners don't remember him but he was one of the preeminent news guys uh- on television, uh, back in the 60s, uh, David Huntley, uh, David Brinkley, Chet Huntley, uh, and then Brinkley ended up going over to ABC as a commentator and a newsman uh, years later. But I had a chance to go hear him uh, speak at Georgia Tech, and I was just fascinated, um, and I, I loved the stories that he told, and I loved the, the insights that he gave, and the and the opportunities for learning about so many different places and people and things. Uh, uh, by being in the news business. And so I was always interested in that. And when we had that opportunity to move from sports uh, into the news full-time, uh, again, Sharon and I talked about it and said, you know, this this would probably be a great transition uh, rather than just doing highlights five nights a week. And I could still keep my hand uh, in sports by doing Seahawks football on the radio and then moving, as we talked about, from being the analyst to play-by-play. So it's really been uh, – I've been blessed. I've, I've had a great opportunity. Here in Seattle Um, Met my wife here We've been married now 39 years And and going strong And I'll be retiring from the TV side of things This June But I'll keep doing uh, Seahawks football As long as as the team will let me do it
0: (laughs) That's awesome Steve Rabel joining us on Inside Sports He's telling you a little bit about his playing and broadcasting career With uh, the the Seattle Seahawks So transitioning from from Color to play-by-play was that, was that tough for you in terms of your preparation or finding your energy and your pace in the broadcast? I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's a really good question. And I've also asked guys that are in my same position. There are three of us that I know of uh, in the National Football League who were analysts and players and then have moved into play-by-play. Jimmy Cephalo is one down in Miami, uh, the wide receiver. Wide receiver Dave Logan uh, with the uh, Denver Broncos. And me, a wide receiver. There must be something about wide receivers, I guess, that we uh, we enjoy that spotlight and we, we like uh, – Uh, we like actually kind of being in charge probably because we were never in charge as players. It was always the quarterback uh, and we had to do what they told us. So now once we get this opportunity, but uh, I, I, I had this chance to move over and do play-by-play, mostly because the Seahawks had the opportunity to hire Warren Moon as the analyst. And when you get a chance to get a play-by-play, or a, a Hall of Famer as your analyst, uh, and a guy who has meant so much to football, not only here at the University of Washington and the Seahawks, but in the league, uh, you know it was going to be either Braves, you you be able to make this transition, or you know we might have to find somebody else because Warren is going to be our analyst so they did give me the chance to kind of learn on the job uh, I had a, a number of, of uh, meetings with guys like Vern Lundquist and and really terrific play-by-play guys and uh, and they gave me the chance uh, to learn the, the job and and I've just I've been so grateful and uh, I'm kind of like a sponge I've learned from everybody that I've had a chance to listen to uh, Al Michaels has become a friend and uh, you know not to drop names but just guys that have helped me over the years and and uh, it's been it's been a real blessing.
0: Well, you know, you mentioned the name Warren Moon in this market. There's probably people giving standing ovations to their radio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and deservedly so. Um, one of the one of the greatest guys, uh, one of my dearest friends, and um, you know he, he's he's he really truly uh, set the the table for so many quarterbacks to come, uh, including guys like uh, Mahomes and our very own Russell Wilson. And and but you know he was he was one of those guys, as you know, who could drop back, hit that back foot, throw the ball a mile, and throw it right on the money, and so. Smart and and just read defenses, and he brought all of that knowledge. He forgot more defense than I ever knew because he was a quarterback who had to read defenses every day. So it, it turned out to be a, a great blessing for me and uh, kind of a marriage made in heaven because he helped me so much, and uh, and I believe I helped in you know setting him up so that he could do his best on the radio, and 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 we were uh, we had a great opportunity to work together for what thirteen fourteen. 14 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's been on this show, and he's, he's never forgotten Edmonton, never forgotten the CFL, right. so he's always fun to talk to. Uh, Steve, so, I mean, you've been involved with the Seahawks organization as a coach or a player for a long time. They've had some up years. They've had some downs. This, I mean, I'm going to say this century pretty much, they, they've been pretty good almost every year. I know they had a couple, uh, you know, four or five win seasons but they've been, they've been pretty good. And I want to ask about one guy who's, who's been at the helm more recently here. And that is uh, uh, Pete Carroll, who uh, appears to be about 27 years old when you watch his energy <laughs> on, on the sidelines. Give us some insight into dealing with, with Pete Carroll on a day-to-day basis and why he's been so successful with the Hawks.
1: I think there's a lot of answers to that. Uh, I think that if you asked Pete, um, he w- he would also have several uh, kind of answers. Uh, yeah, they've been able to get really good personnel. They've been able to find the right players at the right time. Um, listen, when you have a franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson, um, then you always have an opportunity to be in the in the uh, playoffs and uh, and have shots at maybe getting to the Super Bowl. But I think more than anything, and as I've gotten to know Pete. Uh, uh, over the last decade that he's been here i think it's it's how he treats his players, his expectation of players, and how his belief in people, letting the guys be themselves as being the best way to get the most out of them. You know, I I grew up at a time, I played at a time, and I loved my coach, maybe not as much when I played for him as I did after we were both retired, but Jack Patera, because he was such a great guy and a great coach. But those days were different, and those days you kind of ran through walls and you did things, only because the coach said to do them, and and that was all the reason you needed. It's a different day now, and players are different, and they're making so much money. And uh, the schedule is such that uh, with 16 games, uh, you know there's such stresses on the body and the mind, for that matter. You have to approach it differently. And Pete has done that since his days at USC and even before. How he approaches his players, how he lets them be themselves, but that expectation that every single day, and you've heard him say this, um, you know, compete every day, That expectation is there, and if you can't or won't, then you won't be around very long. And if you can and do, you'll be given every opportunity to uh, help the Seahawks win football games. And so that's the kind of of atmosphere he's fostered here, and I think that's why he's been so successful. And then you team him with a guy like John Schneider, who has helped him get the players in here that best reflect what Pete wants to do, and I think that's a recipe for being successful in a lot of teams in this league have tried to uh have tried to uh copy that over the last decade
0: it's always fun to have listener interaction on this show steve so as we're uh, doing this uh interview here i got a, t- a text from a-, a faithful listener jeremy from glendon that's a that's a small town east of edmonton here uh he says hey reed can you ask steve if he knows what a rouge is testing your cfl knowledge here steve
1: well <laughs> i't uh, it, isn't it a isn't it like a kick or a pat or something like that? it's it's
0: the single point when the ball yeah. goes into the end zone on a punter or missed field goal. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so I didn't, I didn't have the exact uh, yeah, you pretty much information had. there, but hey, listen, <laughs> uh, my funny. wife and I, Sharon and I, we like to travel, and so we spent time last year in South Africa, and I have a whole new appreciation for things like rugby and Australian rules, football and all that, because that's all they had to watch down there, that and soccer. So I, I kind of pick up a few things here and there, uh, and uh, I guess Rouge, I heard it somewhere and it stuck.
0: There we go. We we played a couple clips coming in, uh, a Metcalf reception from this past season and the uh, famous faked field goal for a touchdown in an NFC championship game. Do you have a favorite call of yours of all time?
1: Yeah, I do. And it's not a play. It was a moment. And that moment was uh, at Medlife Stadium in New Jersey, the Meadowlands, uh, outside of New York City, uh, back in uh, February of 2014 when the Seahawks won their first and only Super Bowl title. And I had the opportunity as the clock was ticking down. And quite frankly, Warren and I were, you know, we called the game and we both knew it. We were sitting in the booth and we both knew it after midway through the third quarter. Uh, and Percy Harvin, with the opening kickoff of the second half, ran it back for a touchdown and we knew the game was for all intents and purposes over. Our, our defense was was just way too much for the Denver Broncos. But I remember the, the, the words, uh, they came to me, uh, you know, pretty quietly. We had a moment and uh, so many Seattle fans were there and, and we were getting ready to start the celebration. And I just remember saying, uh, 12s they're bringing the trophy home. You were Seahawks Super Bowl of uh, 48 champions. And um, that was my favorite call. And it's because it's been the only one before or since where the Seahawks, in fact, held up the Lombardi trophy. And it was so many years in the making. And it now seems like a lifetime ago. And quite frankly, we were there one year later and by um, maybe one or two plays missed that opportunity uh, for a second straight year Uh, but that was my favorite call and until I get to say that again it will remain my favorite call. Steve, we're
0: going to have to do this again because this has been so much fun to talk to you and and I still have so many more questions, but I'll just throw one more at you here quickly before we go. And and I mentioned the the NHL will be landing in in Seattle. You've been in that market a long time and on the sports scene. How do you think the Seattle NHL team's going to do there?
1: Well, I think it will do great. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big shame that we're having to go through what we're going through now because it's going to make things difficult on a lot of people financially for a while. And that's going to include the people who maybe set aside some money to buy season tickets. You know, season tickets are not inexpensive in the NHL, and they're, they weren't going to be here. But I know Todd Liwicki very well when he was the president of the Seahawks and now uh, heading up the uh, uh, NHL Seattle group. Uh, he will make it right. He will make it right for the fans. We are so looking forward to having the NHL come here. We're looking forward to someday getting the NBA back. But this was the first step because it needed to revitalize the arena uh, so that both teams could play there. And now that's being done. So I'm, I'm really anxious to get it going and I can't wait for it to start.
0: Steve, thank you so much for making time for us tonight. Hope everybody in your life is healthy and safe as we go through this. Really appreciate the stories about your career, and and, and I do mean that. I hope we can connect again. Thank you so much.
1: Read anytime.
0: That is Steve Rabel on Inside Sports tonight. Man, that was awesome to talk to him, the play-by-play voice and a former receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, he told you about it, an extensive broadcasting career after he stopped playing. We're back for some final thoughts, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Okay, always appreciate you tuning in. For the time being, Inside Sports is 7 to 8 here on 630 Ched, We bring you Global News Hour at 6 from 6 to 7. You heard from Colton Pareko and Steve Rabel tonight. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, Spun with a Modern Twist. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Tomorrow, we will have Chris Versteeg, who recently announced his retirement from hockey. And uh, another play-by-play story. You heard this guy a lot last spring. Play-by-play voice of the Raptors on Sportsnet. Yes, Matt Devlin will be on the show. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Have a great night.